if I go ahead and be seated. But just keep this atmosphere. Keep this atmosphere. Keep this atmosphere. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, everyone, who has a bookmark with what it means to, to flourish? Everybody got a copy of this? Right? To flourish, it means to thrive. We're thriving. We're increasing. Right? We're growing. We're expanding. We're enlarging. Woo, glory. We're prosperous. We're abounding. Steady up, upward progress in everything we do. We're spreading out. We're spreading out. Hallelujah. We're at a high point in every area of our life. Every area of our life, okay? Hallelujah. You know, Dr. Savell, when he, when he got that word from the Lord, he took it and, and, you know, just made all kinds of little pictures of it. He put it up all over the wall. Hey, I took it. Don't just... Don't just recite this. I mean, make this part of your life. I took, the, I took that word when he, received, when he received it from the Lord, and I typed this thing out, and I made this thing, and I go over this every day. I even jog with this. I even run sometimes jogging with this, confessing this. Psalms 92. Everybody go to Psalms 92, 12 to 15. Before we get into the, we're, we're in this atmosphere right now. We're in this atmosphere, and you're going to see something about atmosphere this is why Dr. Savelle was led by the Lord to go to this set of scriptures here, because it's talking about atmosphere. It's talking about climate. Go to Psalms 92, 12 to 15. Now I'm going to read it from the King James Version. The righteous shall flourish like the, like the palm tree. Like a, you'll grow like a palm tree. You shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Now I did a little bit of research at some of these cedars in Lebanon, and some of the scholars think that it was comparable to the redwoods that we have today. I mean, they would grow to some really huge sizes. And um, hallelujah. Look at this next verse. Those that are planted. We were just planted, folks. We were in a planting environment. You could feel your roots expanding. You could feel yourself spreading. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they'll flourish in the courts of their God, of our God. Hallelujah. Look where we're planted at, folks. Hallelujah. Look at the environment you're in. Oh, man. This part, guys, I, I've made some mistakes in the past, right? There's some things in the past that I would have liked to have done over. Listen to this next verse. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. You know what that means? That means restoral, folks. That means all the years that you, that you have lost or things that you have thought that you would like to have done again, hey, he's multiplying our days. He's multiplying our days. He's multiplying our days. Fat and flourishing, continually growing. He's multiplied our days. I've read it in the Proverbs. He's talking about multiplication here, extending your days. You don't have to walk around with shame or regret. God's going to increase you even as you get older. We even learned that the Hebrew word for that was vibrant, like you were 20 years old. I mean, hallelujah. <laughs> oh, glory be to God. I mean, think about that. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Over your finances, right? Over your health. Oh, my goodness. You know, one of the things I read about when, when I was studying about the, uh, the body was is, is the blood cells, they, they, st- they don't reproduce like they used to as you get older, right? Not my body now in the name of Jesus. Not according to this, because it says you'll bring forth fruit in old age. Full of vibrancy, you shall be fat and flourishing. You're green. Green leaves, always green. Oh, man, fruit in your season all the time. Hallelujah. How can you not get excited about this word, man? I'm just like, and then look at this. The Lord wants to show himself through us. He wants to show himself. He, he, God gets excited. It's what he likes to do. I mean, God gets excited. Jesus gets excited. The Lord gets excited when he does this. He says to show that the Lord is upright. 
We're living memorials. Think of that. Living. My wife and I, that first date, I took her out. I took her to see a tree. <laughs> we, we went to see Sequoia National Park, right? So I drive her out to see the trees. I would never seen it, so I was like, you know, where do you want to go today? I got an idea. We're going to go see the Redwoods. So we drive through Bakersfield, and we go up in there, and we see General <clears throat> Sherman Grant, <clears throat> the largest living organism in the world. And for the first time in my life, I felt like a chipmunk. Because that thing, I mean, that thing is as wide as the mouth, you know, of this stage right here. And it goes as high as about six or seven story building. You know, just huge, just beautiful. Think of that. Planted in the house of our God, in that environment. Oh, my goodness. That thing's over three, that thing's close to like 3,000 years old. And it's still growing. They said that it's so big and so powerful that a, they've had forest fires go through there. And they couldn't even burn the tree down. It's so big and powerful. That's, it's got so big, it's, it's got its own defensive mechanisms. And I'm, just think of that. And we're in the courts of our God. We are planted in the courts of our God. Hallelujah, man. <clears throat> As the tree flourishes, there's two things, right? The respective soil and the climate. The soil and the climate. The soil and the climate. And Dr. Savell used the angry, he called them angry panthers, right? Well, I got my own little testimony on that. When we were in Virginia, I, I like cuties, right? So I was eating the cuties. Well, some of them had some seeds in it. <clears throat> so I took some of those seeds out, and I went online, read about it, cleaned those seeds up, and uh, planted those things. And I had three good, solid shoots come up from the ground from those cutie seeds, and they started to grow. They started to prosper, and for three years, those things got big. So when we came down here, I put them in the back of the car, and they really liked it in the back of the car. It must have had a big <laughs> greenhouse effect because they really started growing. <clears throat> Well, when we got here, my wife made me change the environment. And uh, <clears throat> there, there must have been some eggs in there or something because we woke up one morning and there's all these bugs crawling around, these fruit bugs. So I got some fruit spray to try to get the bugs off it, but Charlene was not satisfied. Those trees are going out. And so I put them out on the balcony in the springtime. They just died. I mean, they died. So this day, I tell her she killed my fruit trees. I, I was wanting to grow them, you know. But, but the interesting thing was is it was the climate. It wasn't in the right climate. And um, what we experienced today when we came out with Pastor Justin praying and you all entered in, look at the climate you made. Look at the climate we made together. Man, Jesus was here. The Holy Spirit was here. Jesus was walking around. I know you could feel him touching you because I felt him talking to him. He was ministering to you. Hallelujah. I mean, that's what we're talking about creating that climate and pastor justin said it just as we began to enter in on that he said you can do this every day you can do this every day now, hallelujah every day you can do this i'm just going to quote a scripture psalms 512 for thou lord you bless the righteous you you surround us with with the shield of the blessing oh my goodness the shield of favor oh hallelujah the shield of favor. I want you to just think about that. The shield of favor. Oh, man. There's, there's, uh, when, you, when you read the book of Deuteronomy, and I'm just going to, I'll just read it for you. In the 11th chapter and in the 6th chapter, um, Dr. Spell had talked about four characteristics of, uh, of a faithful person. And that's one who loves the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. I mean, they're in the word constantly. And they're devoted to the Lord, right? And um, when you read the examples that he used in Deuteronomy 11 and Deuteronomy 6, you'll see that the Lord was talking about, you say this every day. You say these words every day. You write them in the table of your heart. 
And of course, we learned last week, my pen, like, as Pastor Trey was saying, our pen's a ready writer. You know, our tongue is a ready writer, like a pen. We write it in our hearts. And we're supposed to do it so much that we, when we're walking in the day, we speak it. When we're sitting down at the dinner table, we speak it. You've got it up on the doorposts of your heart. You've you got it on the doorposts of your house, everywhere you go. And then you teach it to your children. And we were listening to uh, Pastor Carla Porter on Sunday about the spirit of fatherhood. There you go. You're teaching the blessing to your children. Yes. Hallelujah. And so you're supposed to constantly be saying this. This is a commandment of the Lord. This is a commandment of the Lord. We have to speak this. And then you, you, you adhere to the word of God by de- being a doer. And this is one of the great ways of being a doer, by, by being in the word of God, constantly saying it. And you just got to do it. You just got to stir yourself up and do it and just speak it. And then you be, a con- you be consistent at this. You be unwavering at this. Hallelujah. And that's where you start learning discipline. You start disciplining yourself. Be unwavering. Do it everywhere you go. Everything you do. Hallelujah. You make it so much that the roots get so deep down on the inside of you that now it becomes yours. Now it starts coming out of you. And then, of course, you find every opportunity you can to sow. You sow a smile. You sow a good word. Because we've been learning from Pastor Justin everything you do. And it comes from the word of God. Everything you do is a seed. So, you know, not just so much money, because we're looking for ways to sow money, too. You find the good soil. You find the good ground. But you sow in everything that you, you do, your thoughts, your words, everything. Hallelujah. And um, one of the things that um, we learned through this ministry about being obedient to the Word of God is, is you keep your heart filled with the Word of God. And that's getting it before your eyes and putting it in your ears by speaking it with your mouth and getting it down in your heart. And uh, you keep your eyes focused on God's word. And this is something that I learned as I began to develop in the Holy Spirit. I began to make a vision, right? And you make your vision board. But what I started to do was, is I began to make the word of God my vision. Um, I had to make the word of God my vision. Because when I started trying to make my own picture of the way I think things should go and things should handle, they started not going that way. And, of course, frustration started to come in. So what I had to do was, is I had to change my vision and make the word of God my vision. And um, one, of the, one of the wonderful things we hear when we're in this church, particularly preach from this podium, and, and it's a concert pattern you're here, but it's a relationship with the word. Yeah. It's a relationship. It, it really is. It's a relationship. And that's what makes us different from the rest of the world. This, folks, this is not behavioral science. Religion is behavioral science. That's, that, I mean, that's really, that's all it is, right? It's behavioral science. This is life. And I mean, God has decided that he's going to show his character through his word, right? And he enjoys showing his character through his word. So this book becomes a relation. I mean, it becomes a relation. You, you, you get a relation out of the Father. You see his character in this. And you become like Christ. And then people see Christ in you. And they want what you got because there's life in you. Man, that life is on the inside of you. One of the characteristics that my wife and I began to notice, and you'll see it about favor, is, is that the spirit of preparation, the spirit of preparation is what will attract. It starts attracting. So as you're going over these words, as you're confessing, the faithful shall flourish. As you're getting it down in your heart, and now you're saying it in your sleep, and now you get saying it with joy like we were here, singing it, just loving it. Um, it gets down inside you, and what happens is you're doing what's called the spirit of preparation. And that spirit of preparation is what begins to develop and grow, and that's what begins to open up opportunities. Because the next thing that happens with favor is, is God begins to appoint people to come into your path. He begins to set things up. 
And that, that is just wonderful. He will set things up. You'll be in the right place at the right time. So, hallelujah. Let's say it again. The blessing of God on my life, it empowers me to prosper. The favor of God on my life produces the opportunities to make them happen. My steps are ordered by the Lord. And the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding me this day and let's add this in here, every day. And causes us to be in the right place at the right time so we can seize our opportunities. Oh, my goodness. I mean, this is what, this is 2017, the, the year of the flourish. This is restoral, folks, adding days to our life. Oh, my goodness. And then you have what's called this. Then you get excited, and then the next, next phase comes in. You get what's called the spirit of expectation. Oh, man. Now you're just expecting it. I mean, you get so engrossed in it, and you don't even recognize what's going on around you anymore. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit, when I was, when I was praying, he, he wanted me to go over these things, okay, again, and, and tie this in with restoration. I, I'm going to receive, I'll receive the Holy Spirit. Thank you. I'm going to give what the Holy Spirit was asking me to do. Uh, on December 31st, Dr. Savelle got this word. Now, remember, we're, we're locked in, folks. I mean, we're tuned in, okay? Listen to this. There is a level of prosperity that you've never known or even hoped for. Oh, my goodness, when I heard that, I said, you, Lord, you mean you are planning to take me to another level that, I, that I've never even experienced or even hoped for? He's empowering all those who dare to believe this, that it is available. Now, here, here's the beauty. He's going to show you how to tap into it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The heavens have spoken. The Lord has already declared this. It's already been spoken. It's already been declared. God is moving. The Lord is moving. We just got to see where we fit into this. <clears throat> where do you fit into 2017? Where do you fit in God? Because he's already declared it. He's already spoken it. See, I was in the military. You have a general. A general hears from the president, you know, our high command. And then they, the, pre, the president doesn't come talk to me. He talks to the generals. The generals come talk to me. So I have to take their word for it, right, that they've been hearing from the president. It's the same thing with the Word of God. We have Pastor Justin. We have Dr. Savelle. We have elected, the Holy Spirit has elected these guys to be in here. <laughs> he has chosen these guys to be our leaders, so he has spoken to them. So I'm taking this Word, and I'm writing it down, and I'm putting it in my heart, because I want restoral, folks. I want restoral. And I believe God is the God of restoral. He is the God of restoral. Hallelujah. And God is restoring me. He is restoring me to some things that I never thought could happen. And um, he, he really is doing it. When we embrace this word, I will take you to a higher level. He's going to take us to a higher level of prosperity and success, which we didn't even think was possible. Oh, man. Guys, get, get excited about this. I mean, this is our father. This is what's happening right now. Okay? For this is the time, my faithful ones. Man, have we been faithful? Have we been faithful? We are faithful. Mm. To thrive and excel in every year of our lives, it will indeed be a year unlike any other you've ever known. For special and unusual and extraordinary blessings are being released right now and will continue to be released throughout 20, 2017. It'll be glorious in your sight. Stay in faith, says the Lord, for these are the days that you have longed for. Determine that giving up is unacceptable. Don't even give it another thought. He's honoring our patience. 
Hallelujah. I'm honoring your steadfastness. I'm honoring your unwavering stand on my word. And remember, I have declared that the faithful shall abound in my blessings. And the time has come for you to experience this in fullness. In its fullness. Rest assured that I am faithful to bring this to pass. So rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. So the Holy Spirit wanted me to go over this again and to tie this in with restoration and let you know, make this your life. Put this in you. Read it every morning. Read it every night. When you go jogging, when you're working, go over this. You know, take what we've heard. Take Psalms 92, 12 to 15. Take those scriptures. Take the faithful shall flourish, and they'll be like days of heaven on earth. And begin to put it into your life. Begin to find places to put it into your life. Because I put down here four boxes. I, I have to set my schedule up where I say it morning, afternoon, late afternoon, and evening. And I'm making it a point to do that. And um, <clears throat> Dr. Savell challenged us. That's right. yeah. He challenged us. It's not going to happen just because he said it. It's not just going to happen because you quoted it once. It's going to happen. Restoration is going to happen. This flourishing is going to happen. And, folks, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop, man. I mean, you're going to have fruit every season. Because, I mean, you see trees when they grow, fruit trees. I mean, when they're little, they give off some fruit. But when they get big, they're giving fruit. And it's every season. And then those seeds make more seeds, and then they grow. And then those seeds make more seeds, and then they grow. And the next thing you know, you are blossoming in the Word of God. This is what he's offered, folks. So I'm taking it and running with it. And uh, as soon as Dr. Savell had said those words in, in 2017, I immediately got a phone call to go do a project. Immediately. But I had to put it off until the beginning of the year. But, I mean, it wasn't but a week after he said this, we're standing here, hallelujah, praising the Lord. And I get a phone call, and already it's starting to happen in, in areas of my life that I never dreamed it would happen. I didn't go out and ask for it. It started to happen. Um, I'm just so excited about this. Don't use words to describe your life. Use them to change your life. So don't use these words just to describe what's going on in 2017. Make this so that you're using them to change your life. Oh, man, I mean, it's powerful, isn't it? Uh, Isaiah 42.22 is a scripture that you'll see as a common thread for restoral. And it's real interesting when the prophet Isaiah said this. He said, this is a people... Robbed and spoiled. Now, I'm sure at the time when the prophet said this, they didn't think they were robbed and spoiled. But they were. They are full. I mean, look at that. They are all of them snared in holes. I'm reading King James Version here. They are, are hid in prison houses. Listen to this. They are for a prey. Hey, the devil's coming and just messing with them anytime he wants. And they don't even know it. He's messing with them, man. Folks, one time I had the Holy Spirit show me the devil laughing at me with his foot on my neck, and I'm letting him do it. And that just made an image in me. It just, as a prey, and I said, I don't ever want that to happen again. I don't want the devil rubbing my face in the ground. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and I was letting him do it. And, I mean, I I had a vision. I had the bear dream. I think I've shared it with you guys before, how that bear kept messing up my house. I kept throwing them out, trying to figure out what was going on. Wake up from that dream, and then the Lord tells me, you got all these doors open in your life. The devil just comes in like a bear and just messes with you anytime he wants. And I was like, oh, my, oh, Lord, forgive me. So I started asking the Lord one by one to describe the areas of my life that, that the devil was just running rampant on me, and he showed them to me. And one by one, I closed those doors. Hallelujah. 
Oh, man. It says, and none of them, none are delivered, right? It's, the devil's taking them for spoil, right? Well, not now. He wants somebody to say, what's that word he wants them to say? Restoral. 2017, the faithful shall flourish. It'll be like days of heaven on earth. This is restoral, folks. Hallelujah, man. And hey, I'm telling you, I plan on being here for a long time, right? Because he said I'll be fat and flourishing. And when I get older, he said I'll be prosperous and abundant and fruitful. So I plan on not only making up all that was lost, I plan on making more. I mean, I'm telling you, glory be to God. How can you not get decided? Okay, so decreeing is one of the most vital keys for restoral. And you've all probably done it. You've all probably caught somebody, a husband and a wife, or two people talking and arguing, and you just happen to walk into the room when they're arguing, or some words are being spoken that are not nice, and you just happen to notice a difference in the climate, right? And uh, I call it the snowball effect because a lot of times when arguments start happening, if you're not careful, it'll start to, it'll start to blossom. And then bigger things will happen. But my point is, is you can tell when you walk into a room. It's almost like you, can, you can't even cut it with a knife. It's so thick. Have you ever been in those situations where, where you've come into a room and you can just sense it? Whoa, something ain't right here. It's the climate, right? It's the environment. So what we did today when we entered into praise, oh, my, oh, Lord, were we in a good climate or what? So these are things to think about. So we need to change our atmosphere. We need to change our climate, right? We need to change the air. We need to charge the air. We need to charge the atmosphere of faith. And um, Charlene's going to give you my, my box. When I was a little kid, I used to like to play with magnets. Who, who here liked to play with magnets when they were little? Oh, man. I, I'd play for hours with these things. Well, magnets are very interesting because they attract. Favor is very interesting because favor attracts, Okay. And the neat thing about a paperclip is, is that a paperclip is just a piece of metal, right? And when you put the magnet close to it, it sticks to it, right? And the, it creates an electromagnetic field, right? So the more powerful the magnet, you know, the more far-reaching the electromagnetic field, the more you get into the Word of God, man, and the more that DNA of the Word gets in on the inside of you and you start watering that thing, the bigger your favor field gets. Remember Psalms 5.12? The Lord blesses the righteous. He surrounds us with favor like a shield. Okay? And so one of the things that's neat about, maybe I'll probably just get down to one because it's a pretty powerful little magnet here. But one of the neat things about a magnet is, is watch what it does. I am starting to make paper clips that normally would never be able to do this. Maybe the weight's starting to get too hard on them. But I'm starting to be able to make a paperclip train, right? Now, what I think is so beautiful about this, we'll just use one of them. When I remove the, the magnet, the paperclip is still energized. What's my point? My point is, is that when you get the word of God on the inside of you, okay, and you begin to water that seed, and that seed begins to take shape, that word is designed to attract the blessing. The word is designed to attract the blessing, right? And it makes you and I just like Jesus. That, that's the, the beautiful thing about it. That's why I like the end of Psalms 92. Uh, I mean, the end of verse 15 there. It said, there is no unrighteousness in him. And um, 
you know, when you read other things from the scriptures, it says the righteousness is of me when you start reading a lot about Isaiah. And I get excited about that because you can be prosperous and be righteous at the same time. And that, that's a really powerful concept to think about. Um, man, the DNA of the word of God on the inside of you. So it's the blessing of God that empowers us to prosper. And it's that favor that begins to create that energy field that begins to attract the blessing. And when you're personal with the word of God and you know his character, you get what's called the eyes of understanding. You can hear from the Holy Spirit. You begin to see beyond the moment. You can see beyond the moment. And when opportunities come your way that ordinarily you would either say no to or you would just brush off, all of a sudden that favor tells you, hey, there's something here. <laughs> that Holy Spirit sniffer starts going, and you, hey, there's something here. There's a trail here. And the next, you're seeing beyond the moment. And one of the things I always like to minister and tell people is, is I like to use this example. What if the Lord tells you one day to go sell, sell tacos at the end of the street? And you're like, what? Go sell tacos at the end of the street. Lord, then, no, this, I, I'm supposed to be, this is 2017. I'm supposed to be prospering. This is the full, you know, year to be in flourish. Go sell a taco at the end of the street. So for three months, you're selling tacos at the end of the street. And there just happens happens to be a hungry businessman that drives by one day. And the Holy Spirit just happens to put the right person in the right place so you can seize an opportunity because that's what favor does. And the next thing you know, that guy has one of your tacos and you get to talking. And all of a sudden, the Lord gives you favor just like he gave Daniel favor. Right? With the guys when he was in captivity and gave Joseph favor when he was in captivity, right? And the next thing you know, hey, how'd you like to come work for me? Okay. And then you come work for him. And then five years later, right? Now you're you're moving up in the company. And now he decides, you know what? I think I just, you know what? How'd you like this job over here? This other part of the job in the company. And oh, by the way, I know it requires a college education, but you know what? I like you. So I'm going to put you in that position, and I'm going to pay for you to go to school. And so you, he pays for you to go to school, and then 15 years later, you're an executive vice president, you know, either a production or one of the other areas, and then 30 years later, you are not only running the company, but now the Lord's asking you now to become a mayor of the city. And now he wants you to go into politics. And so you go into politics. I mean, this is what God does. Flourishing. We're talking about flourishing. We're talking about being fruitful in old age. We're talking about restoral. And it all started because you were obedient to the Lord one day to go make a taco. Okay? I mean, that, that's how it works. I mean, that, I mean, it's in the Bible. Look at the one of the woman who, whose husband died and the creditors came to get her kid. What do you got? I just got a little jar of oil. Okay, go get all the pots and bring them in. Close the door and start filling them. You know, hey, when, if I was feeling those things, I'd be going to the next town, and I'd be going real <laughs> slow. Go get more. Go get more. You know, I wouldn't have wanted to stop, right? But that's how the Lord works. For God to fail to give you his promise and breakthrough by restoral would mean he would have to go back on his word. And the Bible says that through faith, God framed the world, right? So in Hebrews 11, verse 3 in the King James Version, it says, Through faith, we understand that the world's reframed. By the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made by things which do appear. So your faith is what your world's going to be framed on, right? And so with the words that you speak, okay, think of that. So fertilize the soil of your heart with God's words and start charging the atmosphere by decreeing his word, okay? Now, 
If you want to know where you're going in life and where you're headed, just listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. It's very powerful. Yeah, we'll say it again. If you want to know where your life is headed, just listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. There's your litmus test. There's your indicator, right? Amen. <clears throat> Holy Spirit wanted me to have us say this all day. Say this, man. The blessing of God on my life empowers me to prosper. The favor of God on my life produces the opportunities to make them happen. My steps are ordered by the Lord. The Holy Spirit will lead me and direct me this day. Cause me to be in the right place at the right time. So I can seize my opportunities. Decree it. Change the atmosphere of your life. You use the word of God to do this. My world is charged with faith. My life, my health, with prosperity, with victory. Jesus is over our finances. Jesus is over our health, man. Jesus is over our life. He's Lord over it. What, what does it mean to believe in something? Think about it. What's it mean to believe in something? When you believe in something, you enter into it. You emerge yourself into it. You, so when you believe what Jesus is saying, when you believe the word that was spoken through the man of God, you're entering into that word when you begin to confess it, when you begin to make it your atmosphere. What you're doing is, is you're immersing into it. You're immersing into that spoken word. It sinks down into the soil of your heart, and you begin to develop those roots. Faithfulness. What is faithfulness, right? And we learned as we've been studying here on Sundays and on Wednesdays, faithfulness is someone who's unwavering. He's never changing. He's always the same. And that's when the discipline comes. And, and of course, you've heard Dr. Savelle's daughter, Terry, right? One of the things she's read from a lot of people, right? 21 days of doing something. You discipline yourself for 21 days for doing something. You're going to wind up doing it. So if the Lord is asking you to fast something for three months, I, I think he's trying to tell you something. But that, that's a little joke between me and the Lord. It's like when I hear the Lord say fast something for three months, I'm like, hmm, 21 days. That usually means you're breaking a pattern. Hmm. <laughs> That's a little joke. I thought I'd put that in there. Patience. What's it mean to be patient? You have what's called staying power. Patience is a force. Staying power, right? You outlast the devil. Now, how many guys can I bring up here to see who can do the push-ups? No, I'm just kidding around. What the devil tries to do is he's going to try to see if you're for real or not, right? Hey, here's this guy out here saying it's 2017, the faithful's flourishing. He's starting to speak the words of Jesus. So what do you think the devil's going to try to do? He's going to try some way to come and try to discourage you, right? Well, that's where the patience comes in, right? And so you start entering into what's joy. And I, and I like what's going on in the church. I like what's happening with Pastor Justin as he's been ministering about joy. And he's been associating joy with faith. And we've heard books from Dr. Savell, if the devil can't steal your joy, then he can't take your goods. So joy is a very powerful part of keeping yourself in faith. Hmm. Pressure. What is pressure? Let's go, we'll go to Ephesians 6.1. Ephesians 6.1, is that right? Is that what I wanted to go to, is Ephesians 6.1? Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day And having done all to stand, stand. Is that, is that one? It's 6.10. Okay, verse 10. I left my zero out of there. Go to Ephesians 6.10. What is pressure, guys? Think about it. What's pressure? Because pressure is going to come. Pressure is going to try to make you reverse your decision. It's going to try to get you to doubt the word of God. 
And that's where the battle begins to take place, is pressure. And that's where patience comes in. That's where joy comes in. Pressure is basically a sign that you got the devil right where God wants him. Now, I remember hearing that one time coming from Dr. Savelle. He said, pressure is when the Lord's got the devil right where he wants him. That, that's usually a sign to you that something's working. He's trying to fire his best shots at you, okay? God doesn't need our help during restoral. He needs our obedience to faith, right? So standing during restoral will get you to a place where you're more consistent and unwavering than the devil. He'll give up. He'll flee, right? The Bible says he'll flee, right? If you resist him with the word, he'll flee, right? I mean, come on. Think about it. And one of the things I like to say is, is, is the more you get in the word of God, the, the, the stronger your punch becomes, right? And I used to like to watch boxing when I was little, but, but I watch guys like Marvelous Marvin Hagler and, and uh, Roberto Duran and I like Tommy Hearns because he'd always give a big smile every time someone popped him with their best shot. And he'd say, is that all you got? But the more you work on the word of God, when you speak, the devil's getting the cold cock right on the chin. And uh, after a few rounds, he's going to get knocked out. So he's, mm, just stay in the word of God. Now, here, I shared this with, with a couple people before, but I'm going to share it again, Okay. This is a coconut. <laughs> and uh, I was on Diego Garcia, and one of the things they do is they give you a coconut. There's a lot of palm trees on Diego Garcia. And I would get up every morning, and I would drive out to where I was, a detachment commander at the site, and I'd get up and watch the sunset. And there's always 12 hours of sunlight, always 12 hours of darkness at Diego Garcia. Just, you know, minutes would vary a little bit. But I'd always watch the sunsets and watch the sunrise. And I'd go out every morning and watch the sunrise. And I would just praise the Lord and just sing to Jesus. And I'd be walking down the sand all by myself. Can you imagine a whole beach to yourself? Because we're on the opposite end of the island, right? Everybody else is up on the front end of the island. And um, I'm just walking along. And there's coconuts down there. Well, I see a coconut that looks like this. And there's a little leaf coming out of the top of it about yay big. And so it's standing there. I mean, it's sitting there on the sand. It's pretty close to the water. And I'm just kicking things around. Now, who here has watched Charlie Brown? Right? Lucy with the football, right? And how she moves it up out of his way. Well, a little different for me. I see that coconut sitting there with that little leaf sitting out of there. Now, this thought comes over me to, to get, be a football player and kick that thing. Right? I want to see how far I can kick this, right? So <laughs> I come running up to this coconut, and I mean, I just put my foot into it as hard as I can. Now, well, thankfully, because of the grace of God and the, the combat boots that I had on, I hit that coconut and tripped right over it and fell down, right? And just literally rolled over. And I'm looking at that coconut seed, and I'm like, it's just, what? So I come over to it, and I go to pull this up, and it won't move. And I'm pulling this thing with everything, every ounce of strength I have, and it's not moving. So I start digging all around it, and I dig about two or three feet, and I start pulling, and it still ain't moving. That root that came out of the bottom of that coconut, the diameter about that was like four to six inches wide, and that thing went straight down. See, the root started going down. The root was so down deep, it just had a little blade up here, right? I could not move that thing. And there it is. There's the Holy Spirit. He always likes to joke with me. <laughs> that, that is the word of God, right? When you 
charge your atmosphere, right? And you begin to speak the words of Jesus. And you begin to declare these declarations that we're getting from the Lord, right? It gets rooted down on the inside of you. Like, like that coconut. And I mean, the devil comes up, and he's going to try to kick that thing, and he's going to get a stubbed, broken toe. Because that root system in you is so powerful and so strong, he can't take it from you. And I was like, I learned something about seed that day with that coconut. And every time the pressure tries to come to pull that seed out, I'm like, devil, you're going to get a stubbed foot, you know, trying to kick that out of me. So you're going to, you know, joy is a key to restoral right when you're standing you labor to enter in that rest and uh, you do that one of the best ways to do that is with joy you're going to have to become your own cheerleader you're going to have to be your own cheerleader you have to use your mouth because no one else is going to cheer it for you so you're going to have to be the cheerleader to do your own so how do you resist the devil well there's a number of things you can do right joyfully continuing to decree god's promises when you begin to joyfully decree the promises of God, not only do you grow the root structure in there, but you're demonstrating your faith in God's ability to turn your situation around. And that's what joy does. And that's why joy is strength, exactly. That's why joy is strength. See, I like to understand processes. So to, when I began to learn that, that joy is actually the strength because joy is telling me, it's an indicator that tells the devil, it's an indicator that shows where my faith is and how it's rooted. So it, be, it tells me, I believe in you, Lord. I believe you're turning my captivity. It changes the atmosphere. Joy changes the atmosphere. It does. It, it just literally does. Joyful decreeing will also conform your thoughts to God's thoughts. By confessing his word and by confessing his thoughts, your thoughts become his thoughts, right? And so your faith begins to, to develop. And again, it's a relationship with the word. Always remember that. It's a relationship. So every time... You speak it out loud. You believe it in your heart a little bit stronger, and then it finally becomes life in your heart. So by decreeing God's word now, your faith totally agrees with his words. And that's all the devil sees is Jesus. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Hallelujah. I heard the man of God one time say, Brother Copley, he says, put the visor down, and all he, he thinks is Jesus. Because, I mean, that's what's coming at him is light. I mean, hallelujah. He sees Jesus in you. And the world will see Jesus in you. So charging the atmosphere, it's an inside-out first process, isn't it? First it's the inside, then it comes out. Okay? And so one of the things that we learned here through the teachings that we get through Dr. Swell and Pastor Justin is, is that you want your breakthrough to happen. You want that restoration to happen. Don't listen to the devil. Right? Don't listen to the pressure. Well, how? Well, watch your words. Guard your words, right? And then be consistent with God's word, and you'll be joyful, and you'll begin to get unwavering. And then, of course, you plant seeds. Um, one of the things I want to do is, is I want to go to blind Bartimaeus' uh, story in Mark chapter 10. I want to go to some scriptures here. And in Mark chapter 10, we're going to talk about blind Bartimaeus. He must have been a famous dude because it sounded like when they wrote the Bible, everybody knew who he was because they made mention of his name. So he must have been a popular guy at Jericho. So in in, uh, Mark 10, verse 46, I'm going to go Mark 10, verse 46 to 52. They came to Jericho, and as they went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, there's blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. He's sitting by the highway, and he's begging. And when he hears that Jesus of Nazareth is coming, he begins to cry out. 
And he begins to say, now, I really like what he says because he understands covenant, okay? He understands God's a man of his word. He knows that the Messiah is going to be a man of his word. So he begins to call him son of David, have mercy on me. He begins to use the mercy name, a covenant. He, he, I know he understood this. And Jesus stood still. He caught Jesus' attention because he, he did it in faith. He did it understanding covenant, okay? So obviously there's some kind of root system on the inside of there that he's heard before, but it caught Jesus' attention, okay? Now, you know a lot of people are listening, right? A lot of people are following, right? But Jesus stands still. You, you got his attention now, okay? What I liked about verse 48 was, as he began to cry out, what did the people start saying to him? Tell him to shut up. Shut up, you know, good beggar, you scum of society. That's what you are. Shut up. Get back into your corner and stay in your corner, okay? This is very key for restoration, okay? Particularly when the devil tries to come bring shame on you, especially in your past, okay? Because the Lord's offering a change in position, and that's what restoration is, a change in position, right? And uh, blind Bartimaeus is sitting there, and he's got robe, I mean, rags on, and you've seen Pastor Justin with his with his fancy suit that he comes on with all the rips and the tears on it, right? And he stands up on that chopping block, right, as, a, you know, talking about slavery and how the Lord exchanged you. Well, that's what blind Bartimaeus is wearing, right? He's got those old dirty robes on, and they're telling him to shut up. But he does something. He gets more bold. He begins to scream even louder, David, have son of mercy. Son of David, have mercy on me. That caught Jesus' attention. And uh, what does he do when Jesus says, Bring him here. First of all, the crowd now says, oh, be of good courage. The same guys that were telling them to shut up. Now they're saying, oh, be of good courage. The master is calling you, right? He takes that beggar's robe, and what does he do with it? He throws that thing off. Okay? Restoration, right? Restoral. We're declaring restoral. God's restoring us. What area in your life that you want restoral in? Is it your finances? Is it your health? I mean, what beggar's robe has the devil put on you, right? I mean, literally, and you're sitting there in the corner, and you're beginning to declare 2017 is the year you're going to be flourishing like the palm tree, and the devil's going to try to tell you to shut up, right? So you're going to have to declare it more boldly, more and more. You're just going to have to do it and just declare it, right? And throw that, that limitation of whatever it is, throw it off, because we just heard. Yeah, we just heard. He's going to... Show us how to tap into it. He's going to take us to levels we never thought before, right? And so Jesus answers, I don't what do you want me to do? What will I do for you? He says, Lord, I want to receive my sight. And, of course, Jesus says unto him, go thy way. Your faith has made you whole. And immediately he received his sight. And then he follows Jesus. So persistent faith. That's what Jesus responds to, right? Persistent faith. Unwavering, right? A refusal to accept anything less than the best. Oh, man, a refusal to accept anything less than the best. I wanted to get my wife a particular type of engagement ring when I wanted to to get engaged. And I wanted to be a particular size. And um, so I'm believing God for the money. I believe God for money to sew. and And then I believe God at the same time for money to go get the ring, right? And as soon as I had made that declaration to the Lord... A friend comes up to me the next day, okay? 
And he opens up, I heard that you're planning to get married, right? Scuttlebutt, right? All you got to do is just tell one person, and the next thing you know, everybody around knows, right? So he opens it up. Now, it's just a little bit smaller than what I wanted, right? It is a beautiful ring, right? Um, he had wound up, his engagement didn't go the way he wanted, and even before, even before he could give the ring, oh, you know, it was like... So now what's he going to do with this nice ring he's got? I know. I heard he wants to get married, right? Well, you know, I thanked him, but as soon as I stretched forward to take that, I heard so strongly the word of the Lord on inside me. He said, don't settle for second best. And, I mean, it was just something that was powerful to me because um, I didn't, the Lord had heard my prayer. He had heard me. And, you know, within about another couple, about another month, I wound up not only getting the money to sow the seed that I wanted to seed. This is the first time I ever sowed $1,000. I'd never done that before. And I was believing God to give me the money. I wanted it. I read where Solomon, when he was celebrating the name of Jesus, had a 1,000 bull sacrifice. I said, Lord, I want $1 to represent each bull. I want to give $1,000. I want to just honor you, God. I want to honor you. You know, and at the same time, I believe you can give me the money also to get the ring. And the exact amount came in to get the ring and, and also do the $1,000 sacrifice. It was just the most wonderful thing, you know. So I'm just praising God. So don't settle for second best. best. The power of faith brought into the now. That's what blind Bartimaeus did. And then I want to go to 2 Kings chapter 7. This is, this is uh, I like this story about the four leprous men. 2 Kings, we'll go to chapter 7. As you're going to 2 Kings chapter 7, I'll just give you a little background. The king of Samaria is in some bad trouble. They're being besieged by the enemy. Or, I'm sorry, the king of of Samaria, of Israel, basically the Samaritans. And uh, the Syrians have got them surrounded. And back in those days, the siege was a pretty nasty thing because it didn't happen one week. I mean, sieges lasted sometimes for years. You know, and they're eating leftover food, and it got to the point that the food's run out, and the king's walking, and one lady eats her kid, and her friend says that they're supposed to eat her kid today, but she hid her kid, and so she goes running to the king to try to get legal action and say, hey, she's supposed to let us eat her kid because I ate my kid yesterday. That's how bad this was. And, um, of course, the king just starts renting his clothes and crying out to God. And... um, (laughs) um, Verse 1, this is the other funny thing. The king blames Elijah for this. I think this is hilarious because he sends a messenger out to try to kill him, and Elijah's sitting there with, with other men of God, and he's saying, he hears from the Lord and says, hey, there's a messenger coming. He's going to try to kill you, right? And then the guy walks in, and immediately the Lord tells Elijah to tell the, the, the servant of the king, hey, this. And so they bring Elijah up here to say this. He says, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Now, this is the man of God speaking. Okay? Now, sometimes you're not going to find it in the Bible. Okay? But the Word of God spoke, and he he chose his prophet. Okay? We've got Pastor Justin, we've got Dr. Savell on this area of the body of Christ. And the Lord has spoken to the man of God. Okay? And the man of God said, Tomorrow, about this time, shall the measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Now, I want you to picture this situation. People are starving to death. And we're not talking about just a handful of people. We're talking about literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people starving, okay? And the man of God is saying, tomorrow, 
We're going to be able to sell bread for pennies. That's how prosperous it's going to be. They're, they're eating. The Bible said that they were taking heads of donkeys and selling them for just extraordinary amounts of money, right? Just to eat a head of a donkey. I mean, and now this prophet is saying tomorrow at this time, there's going to be so much plenty and so much restoral that it's going to be a penny, that, you know, a shekel, however much that was worth in those days. Now, get a load of this in verse 2. There's a Lord on whose hand that the king leaned, and he answered the man of God. And he says, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And so the prophet responds, and he says, Behold, you'll see it with your eyes, but you won't be able to eat thereof. Now, I'm going to stop right here for a second, and I'm going to say, Folks, take this to heart. Make this your word. Make 2017 the year the faithful shall flourish and will be like days of heaven on earth. Don't be like that Lord that leaned on the king. He was looking at the situation. What's the matter with this prophet? Is he stupid or something, right? Look at what's going on around. The Lord has the ability, inside of you is the ability to produce a miracle, okay? It's on the inside of you, okay? It's there, okay? We have heard the word of the Lord. This is, this is restoral and beyond, okay? Believe the man of God. Believe the word that was given by the man of God, okay? Don't start to open your mouth and question this. Just agree with it and do it, okay? Just do it because God, obviously God is wanting to do something. He's wanting to do something in us. He's wanting to do something in the community here. He's, He's looking for an avenue to bless, and he wants to do it through you and I. That's why I'm saying, find where you fit in this, in restoral. Find where you fit inside this, okay? Now there's four lepers in verse 3. They're men at the the entering of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit here till we die? I just like this, verse 4. If we enter into the city, the famine's in the city. We'll die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now, therefore, come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. All right, so I I really like this because these guys are taking action. Now, whether or not they heard what the prophet said, it doesn't say in here, okay? But I'm sure scuttlebutt got around. I'm sure the word of mouth got around of what the prophet had said, right? Well, these guys are just sitting here like, this is is useless. What are they doing? They're putting legs to something. They realize what the position that they're at. They're not getting any higher by sitting around. So they're going to get up and go do something about it. And I could just hear the Lord, finally, someone's going to put legs to their faith, right? right? And so they get up, right word spoken, right, by the prophet that spoke. Okay, now, verse 5, they rise up in the twilight. And they go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they come to the uttermost part of the camp, behold, there's nobody there. There's No one is there. Hey, their action caused a reaction, didn't it? Hallelujah. I always like, my wife and I sometimes like to come up with neat little cliches. Our actions cause a reaction. You know, it's like, hallelujah. For the Lord has made the host of the Syrians, oh man, to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, look at this, the king of Israel, he's hired against us, the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. So they fled. Folks, 
When we're declaring 2017 is the year that the faithful shall flourish. When we're saying it's days of heaven on earth, when we're declaring Psalms 92, 12 to 15, when we're making that our heart, when we're speaking it, when we're confessing it, and when it's coming out of us, and it's so strong and it's so powerful, the Lord is matching our voice and he's thundering. The Lord is thundering right now. He is thundering in the heavens. Now think about that. When you de- I want you to think about that. If he can make the footsteps of four leprous men sound like an approaching army, okay, to the point that they're so scared, they leave everything and run. You talk about transfer of wealth, wealth of the wicked laid up for the just. Hmm. Look what happens here in verse 7. They arise, they flee, they leave their tents, they leave their horses, their asses, the camp as it was, and they flee for their lives. And in verse 8, and when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they go into one tent and they eat and drink. And they get gold and silver, right? And raiment. Hey! And they go hide it, right? They come back and do it again. And I like what happens in verse 9. They say one to another, you know what? This isn't a very smart thing to do. Everybody else there is starving over there. This is, this is a day of good tidings, right? So we need to go back and tell them. If we hold our peace and tarry till morning, you know some mischief's going to happen upon us, so let's go. You know, we need to go tell the king and his household. So they come and they tell the porter of the city in verse 10, and they tell him, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither the voice of a man, but horses tied, asses tied, tents as they were. And he called to the porters, and they told it to the king's house. Now listen to what the king says in verse 12. Do you think he remembered what the prophet said? No. The king arises in the night and says, you know what? This is a trap, right? The Syrians have gone out. They know we're hungry. We're going to go in there and they're going to slay us, right? And kill us. In verse 13, finally, one of the wise servants says to the king, hey, basically, I'll just paraphrase it. Hey, just give me a couple horses. I'll go out and I'll check to see if the story is real. All right, go ahead and do it. So he goes out and he checks the story out to see if it's real or not. Comes back and says, yeah, king, it's exactly like these guys said. So the word gets out. The king tells the man that told him, not to, you know, even if windows in heaven were open, could this thing be? He tells them to go open the gate. When he opens the gate, he gets trampled to death. And it happened just like the prophet said. He didn't get to see it. And so, folks, I believe in my heart of hearts, okay, that God is offering us in this church body the opportunity to have a shift in that level. I'm serious. A shift on that level. I mean, here it is in the scriptures. We're talking about lots of people here in one day getting new raiment, getting gold, getting silver, getting all their horses back. I mean, there's only like five or six horses left, man, in the whole area. So I know in my heart that God is the God of restoral. I know in my heart that when we decree this thing and we say it, he's thundering in the heavens. I know this for a fact. I know this. I believe this. I mean, I believe this. I believe the Lord can take this. I believe, I mean, I, I believe he can take us, this entire church, to a higher level, to where we're all prosperous. We're, look what happened in the book of Acts. People were coming by the thousands because they were prospering. They were being blessed, and they were blessing each other. And people started flocking. When word gets out that the people at Heritage of Faith have taken this word, and they're running with it, and they see the results that are happening, man, they're going to come running. They're going to want what we got. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God, man. I'm telling you. So, so hold on to that word. Um, 
So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the words you gave to the leadership at Heritage of Faith, to the leadership of JSMI. You are thundering in the heavens, Father. You have spoken. And when the Lord decrees a thing and speaks it, who, who's going to dare annul it, right? Well, Lord, I thank you because everyone in the sound of this voice that has heard this message today, they're not going to be like that Lord who told the king, that's impossible. No, we're not going to be like that, Father. We're gonna re- we've received this word. It's got planted down in the inside of our heart. And every time the devil tries to come kick it from us, he's going to stumble and fall and get a sore, stubbed toe in Jesus' name because he's not going to take this out of our heart. And we flourish like the palm tree. We grow like the cedar. We're planted in the courts of our God. We flourish in the presence of our Lord in the name of Jesus. Our climates are changed. And when we walk out of here, we're going to keep this same attitude in the name of Jesus. We're going to keep these same words spoken in Jesus' name. We're going to enter into the presence of God with joy. We're going to speak your name, Jesus. We're going to declare your name, Jesus. We're going to say it morning. We're going to say it night. We've taken this challenge that you've given us, Lord, and we're going to run with it because I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe that if you can do it for a bunch of people in Samaria and you can take that entire nation and prosper them overnight, I know in one night you can do the same thing to us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God bless you all. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you in the name of Jesus.